everyone. Welcome back to episode 18 of Fearless Fire. My name is James and joining me today is my co-host Grant. Oh, hi James. This is going to be an interesting episode. Uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, let's get into it. So today in episode 18, we're looking at fire detection and extinguishing systems in an aircraft. Just before we get into that though, did you want to do a quick recap on the uh, previous episode? Yeah, previous episode, uh, we talked about the pressurization, why we need it, and then we went into um, talking about depressurization, uh, what we do as crew and about masks. We talked about the oxygen masks and why you need them, uh, the effects of hypoxia. So that was uh, something that all PAs around the world, they do a PA that says, in the unlikely event of a depressurization, oxygen mask will appear. And so we talked about all that in that episode there. So that was the last episode. This episode, we're obviously looking at fire detection and extinguishing systems. And the reason we're looking at this is because obviously as an aircraft, it's not accessible to the fire department. And therefore, as an aircraft, the aircraft must become a self-contained detection and extinguishing machine when it comes to fires. And obviously, this becomes an essential part of certification for an aircraft, as it not only needs to protect the aircraft itself, but the people or cargo inside that aircraft. The interesting thing is um, we titled this as fire detection and extinguishing, but in actual fact, in extinguishing, we in aircraft, we use the term suppression because not all fires are extinguished. They're extinguished in some ways. Anyway, we'll talk about that now. Yeah, so we have to just first look at what causes a fire. We need three elements to create a fire. You need a fuel source, a heat source, and then oxygen. And if you remove any one of those three elements, there can't be a fire. So when we talk about a domestic house fire, obviously the fire department turns up and they then spray a lot of water onto the house and that extinguishes the uh, fire. I remember as a kid when I was on the Haraki Gulf, um, my father was a fisherman and we saw a boat on fire and I thought they'll put the fire out really easy because it's on water and you need water to put a fire out. But everyone jumped off the boat, the boat just burnt through and, and it sunk. And it makes you realise you might be surrounded by water, but if you've got no way of pumping that water onto the fire, then it's just useless. Um, Yeah, so it was quite interesting as a kid. I'm thinking, yeah, water solves all problems. Boats will never have a problem, but obviously it's how you get that water onto the fire, how you suppress the fire or extinguish the fire. So you need equipment to do that. Yeah, and then on aircraft, we don't have at all access to copious amounts of of water and there's no firefighting teams there with large trucks putting it out. So you have to rely on engineers who design these aircraft to design fire detection and extinguishing, or as you said, suppression systems for a number of different scenarios of where they could uh, fires could occur throughout the uh, aircraft. Yeah, you make a good point. As we seem to think of putting out a fire as extinguishing the fire, but on some aircraft, some of the systems simply suppress the fire and the system is designed to do this for an extended period of time. And this is done by temporarily removing one of the three elements of a fire. Now, the designers have come up with solutions to keep the three ingredients that make a fire separated. And working on the worst case scenario of an actual fire, a way to extinguish or contain that fire and enable the flight crew enough time to get the aircraft on the ground. So let's talk about you and the cabin crew, because that's where you see the cabin crew working and our Cabin crew are trained firefighters, cabin firefighters. They have to pass a test that deals with fires in the cabin, such as an oven fire, 
a computer or battery fire, toilet fire, an electrical fire in the galley. They have access to various fire extinguishers on the aircraft that deal with different types of fire. They also have access to smoke hoods in order to get close enough to the fire to make the extinguisher they're using more effective. Generally, the toilets have an automatic fire extinguisher in the waste bin of a toilet. And on the Boeing 777, the fire extinguisher bottle, it has a soldered seal and it melts at 170 degrees Fahrenheit or 77 degrees centigrade. So it detects this heat, it melts and it discharges the extinguisher into the waste bin. Also, every toilet has a smoke detector that lets us know in the flight deck and also the cabin crew know which toilet has detected smoke. The cabin crew will then form a team and they'll isolate the lavatory and they'll use a process to see if there is a fire and if so, they will use their handheld extinguishers to extinguish it. Now, this is the same scenario for an oven or galley fire and also for a lithium battery that goes berserk on a laptop or phone. The cabin crew have a process for different types of fires and the process results in either the fire being extinguished or it's going to be suppressed. So other than the cabin crew doing that, let's just have a quick look at what other fire detection systems are in place and discuss the extinguishing systems in place that are designed to respond to them. So firstly, quite obvious one, is the engine. There's always going to be a fire going on in the engine, but we just have to accept it as it is an intentional fire and it is also a controlled fire. Yeah, that's a good point because yep, we have a fire going on there all the time, but that's an engine for you. However, the outside of the core of the engine, but inside the shell or the big nacelle which sits around the engine, you could have a fire in that area. We generally have two detection loops that detect either an overheat condition or a fire. We talked about the ingredients for a fire. However, I just mentioned an overheat condition. An overheat condition is obviously not as hot as a fire, but it is still a problem. And an overheat condition would normally be something like bleed air escaping from the engine. The problem is that bleed air from the engine, say from a compressor stage, it can be really hot. It can get up to, well, on the G90, 380 degrees Fahrenheit or 193 degrees centigrade. And the problem with this hot bleed air is it can weaken metal structures and it can melt stuff that should not be mounted. So an overheat condition could also be a precursor to an actual fire. So obviously an overheat condition there, you'd likely reduce the thrust on that engine to just remove the hot air going into that engine. Yeah, that's right. However, a fire warning is different in the engine. And generally with a fire warning, we would shut the engine down and we have two fire extinguishing bottles. Uh, we activate one extinguishing bottle immediately into the engine. During the initial process of getting the bottle ready to fire, which happens quite quick, a loader of other events take place automatically to the ancillary equipment on that engine, such as that shuts down hydraulic pumps, engine electrical generators, bleed air, and numerous fuel valves that are part of the fuel system to that engine. There is a period of time we wait for, and if the engine fire indication has not gone out, we activate the other bottle. Either way, we plan to land at the nearest airfield or near a suitable airfield. It is a similar setup for the auxiliary power unit, the APU, but the APUs generally only have one fire extinguishing bottle. So just moving on from those, speaking about cargo fires, which when we refer to a cargo fire, it's also the same place where, where your luggage is stored. Did you want to just talk about how they detect fires down there? Because obviously there's no one down there 
Yeah, that's a good one. We don't use heat detectors like the engine fire loops in the cargo departments, but we use smoke detectors instead. They're like uh, light-emitting diodes or LEDs, and they're basically optical smoke detectors. So these detectors are basically like they're seeing the smoke particles as such floating around the cargo compartment. Yeah, that's right. And most uh, large commercial aircraft have a similar concept. So I'll talk more about the 777 as I'm currently familiar with that. If we get a cargo fire indication, we arm the fire extinguishing system for that compartment and a process starts. By arming the switch, a load of things happen, such as the air recirculation fans stop, the cargo heat turns off, all your IFE will stop working. You can't watch any more TV. Uh, no, no more TV, yeah. Uh, the cargo ventilation system stops. The pressurization system goes to a minimum flow and the galley and the lavatory fans stop. So on the triple seven, we have six cargo fire extinguishing bottles. The system will immediately fire off two extinguishing bottles, which is a halon gas into the cargo compartment. So we're putting the fire out by starving it of oxygen. The system will then over a period of time meter out the other four bottles of this halon, the intention being to keep the concentration of the halon level up until landing. So in essence, we're suppressing the fire by removing oxygen in the cargo compartment. And you just said that they sort of release slowly so that they keep that level of halon up. How long will that halon last? So how long do you have to uh, on your long-range 777s to land before that sort of halon runs out? Yeah, our long-range 777s, it does this for 272 minutes or 4 hours and 32 minutes. That's quite a long time. And that's part of the certification for ETOPS, for long-range flying away from land. So carrying on, the electrical and electronic bay is where all our avionics hang out. And in case one of these avionics boxes has decided to give us grief, we'll get a smoke indication and we'll vent that smoke overboard and we'll isolate that system. Another one that is in all aircraft is the bleed air system, which we've discussed in a previous episode about how we use the engine bleed air to give us pressurization. We also use it for a few other systems on the aircraft. And as briefly mentioned earlier in this podcast, it can get quite hot down there. Yeah, it can. So hot air leaking out of a pipe or duct will not do the structure around it any favours as it can weaken the metallic structure. Also, you've got stuff with plastic coating on it, like electrical cables are at risk, etc. So we have monitors around the bleed air ducts that sense an overheat condition. If we get a bleed air overheat sensed somewhere, we would isolate this bleed air at the source and would rely on the other system to keep us going. The last sort of worthy area of discussion about the wheel wells, because we've discussed obviously how hot those brakes can get. So did you just want to discuss if there was a fire around uh, yeah, the wheel? Um, yeah. Uh, now this could occur due, say, to a brake that is rubbing or the brakes have got pretty hot taxing around. And just above where the landing gear attracts is a dual-loop system that senses an overheat condition. This system on the 777, it has two wires in it with a material that separates the wires. But the material will mount at 575 degrees Fahrenheit or 302 degrees Celsius. So that will give us a fire warning in the flight deck. And our procedure on the 777 is to slow the aircraft down to 270 knots which is our extend gear speed, and we extend the landing gear and let the fire blow itself out. We've talked quite a lot about the 777 fire detection and extinguishing systems there. 
but most, if not all, commercial aircraft flying these days obviously have similar systems. They will have to pass the same sort of certification process. Yeah, um, you may have noticed in our conversations on fire detection and extinguishing that we mention dual systems a lot, such as the dual loop engine detection system or the dual loop wheel well system. Even the toilet has an automatic system in that waste bin and that will fire off an extinguishing bottle. And the backup system for that is a smoke detector uh, with the cabin crew running en route with their fire extinguishing equipment. This dual loop system, in the case of, say, an engine fire, requires both loops to sense a fire, thereby it eliminates uh, false warnings. It also serves as system redundancy. If, for example, say, an engine fire loop detector senses a fault, it will remove itself from the equation and it will tell us on a flight deck that has done so. Certain reductions in the redundancy can put further operational limits upon the flight, but this is all done with a conservative mindset, safety being the paramount issue here whilst operating in a reduced detection capacity. So you may uh, honestly appreciate that the primary way we extinguish fire in the air is not like the fire department, because they use water to douse the flames and remove the heat source. Uh, We don't have that luxury in flight. So we use halon. Or nowadays, there's a more modern gas called hydrofluorocompound. Is that how we pronounce it? It's a big word. I think so. I think so. I'd rather just go with halon. (laughs) But but, but, yeah, hydrofluorocompound. Which is just shortened there. HFC. Yeah, (laughs) it sounds good. And then using that, it removes the oxygen from the fire which is obviously, well, a good thing. It would take a lot of extra weight on the aircraft and storage to take the amount of water that would be required to um, conduct firefighting while in the air. So it's not economically viable. And from an engineering standpoint, planes would be a lot more inefficient uh, if we had huge tanks of water. Yeah, a lot heavier. So basically, a lot of the systems on aircraft, they remove the oxygen and we isolate the source. And if we can't isolate the source and or remove the potential for it, to reignite, we land at the nearest airfield and kick you all off whilst the airport fire department come and do their water and foam stuff. But luckily, on a more positive note, fires on board aircraft are extremely rare. And in recent history, there's been very few that have uh, occurred and they've all been contained by the onboard extinguishing systems. I'm pretty sure most of them have just been lithium batteries and mobile phones and the crew can put out pretty quickly. Yeah, the fire detection and extinguishing systems or suppression systems on aircraft are very good nowadays and coupled with the highly trained cabin crew, rest assured myself and my colleagues treat any fire with the utmost urgency it deserves and we'll get you safely on the ground using all the resources available, even if it means bending an aircraft from a low speed overrun. Yeah, anyway, that concludes fire detection and extinguishing. On the next episode, we're going to be looking into the hydraulics, electrics, and uh, pneumatics on the aircraft. These items are sort of like the blood of an airplane, the veins, the source of power that flow around the aircraft, and we use to drive the various components that we've uh, actually discussed in previous episodes, such as the ailerons and elevators, uh, which we wouldn't be able to use without the hydraulics, uh, electrics, and pneumatics. Yeah, that'll be a good discussion because a lot of our systems we say for flight controls is not only one source of power like hydraulics we use sometimes electrics other times uh, like uh, raising the landing gear and we use hydraulics and pneumatics on the 777 so that'll be an interesting topic to discuss 
Yeah. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that one from me. Have a good day and goodbye. And from me, goodbye as well. Thank you very much to your ears for listening. Bye.